I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. We are the podcast that aims to educate our listeners on the variety of opportunities available in the music industry by really getting beneath what job titles actually mean. Tina Edwards, DJ, broadcaster and music journalist is our guest today. Tina is a master in joining the dots between jazz and club culture and has been named one of the most curious and respected selectors in the UK. She was a long-time host on Worldwide FM, Giles Peterson's community radio station, has hosted BBC documentary Spitting Fire, talking about the UK club culture scene, in addition to hosting and producing British Airways' Next Big Thing. There is a lot packed into this episode and I really hope you enjoy it. Tina Edwards, welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast and Happy New Year because we are recording this at the very beginning of 2023. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wild. We're here. We're in it. 23 it's come so fast but yeah it's gonna be gone in a blip (laughs) it is and we have so much to look forward to this year um and also you know some great accomplishments to reflect on as well um and with that you know why not start with a reflection on 2022 you've done so much last year what was one of the highlights Oh, wow. Um, Well, firstly, thanks for having me on the podcast because it's a gorgeous series. I think for last year, God, there were so many things that I was excited about and and love looking back on. I think it's the BBC documentary, uh, which is Jazzy K, Spitting Fire. Um, It was just such a dream come true to be able to host a music uh, music, um, documentary. (laughs) That was a Freudian slip. Maybe I want to do a podcast. Um, It was such a treat to do do a documentary because I just love, I love music docs. Um, I think BBC, you know, just have great output. And the fact that I got to talk to some amazing musicians like Alabaster de Plume for, you know, three hours. And you only see a minute of it on screen. And, you know, Emma Jean Thackeray for hours and hours. And just all these amazing, inspiring people. And to be able to put a spotlight on this UK jazz scene, it was such a blessing to be the person that gets to do that and gets to share their enthusiasm for it and say, you know, look over here, this is amazing. This is what you should be checking out and listening to. And I think for a lot of people watching it, they're probably watching it because they're already fans of you know Ezra Collective, Moses Boyd, Nabaya Garcia, etc. Um, but there are people who messaged me saying, wow, I had no idea about this scene and you know how much they loved the dock. And that was so precious to me. And so it's still an iPlayer, uh, at least until May. So until then I'm gonna probably be very excited and still talking about it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What what an incredible thing to be asked to do um with the BBC and definitely do check it out on uh, on BBC iPlayer it's still on there how did that opportunity come about um I imagine you know many people in the journalism space would go whoa you know that's a that's a pretty big accolade yeah I was really lucky it was uh a friend of mine who is a band manager um he looks after Go Go Penguin he's called Kirsten and uh he just sort of got talking to the TV producers and said, you should talk to Tina. He shared my details. And I'm so grateful that he did because I had a chat with the lovely producer, Christian, and it was going to be like a quick five minute thing. And we we're on the phone for about an hour and a half, just kind of nerding off with each other. His whole, I guess, inspiration for making this doc was 
that he just loves music generally. And he works right across the board. They also produced, uh, I think it's called Nail Bar Boys on BBC Three and lots of other great stuff that have won some awards. And yeah, he wanted to do a music doc and he was like, right, what's, what's the best thing happening in UK music right now? And someone put him onto UK jazz. He got really hooked on it. And so Kirsten introduced us. We chatted. We were talking about stuff he'd been listening to, how I'd been listening you know, to it for a while. And I used to run this blog called Easy H and I was telling him about that and how it kind of spotlighted UK jazz um, for a few years. And yeah, we just, we just really hit it off. And during the call, and I remember trying to calm my heart rate when he said this, but he was like, look, we weren't thinking about having a presenter, but maybe you should be, maybe you should be hosting this. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Wow. Because <laughs> it was just kind of a, a call to, to, consult in a really casual sense of wanting to put him in the right direction and like, oh yeah you should definitely have this artist and that artist and you know or steam down do this and you know definitely don't forget Bristol or Manchester because it's not just London and um yeah and so after that call basically got offered offered that opportunity and yeah I was pinching myself but really really grateful we we're actually meant to meet up at We Out Here about six months prior and I was poorly, I had to go home and, and leave the festival early, which is gutting and knowing I wasn't going to meet Christian. So I'm so happy that we managed to, to have that call and, and it led to what it did. So yeah, it really worked out. Incredible. Always worth having a conversation. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about the jazz and club culture scene that draws you so much? Um, so I got into jazz in my early 20s. And it was from going to Ronnie Scott's, which I guess sounds quite traditional compared to the kind of music that I shout about now and the music that I love. Um, although you can never, you know, you can never ever be a world renowned, you know, jazz club like Ronnie Scott's. But I went there in my early 20s and that's what opened my eyes to this kind of music. And it was only kind of after that where I thought, you know, I raided FOP, I bought lots of Blue Note records and I was like, right, I want to get into this music you know I was very much listening to like post-punk and emo and you know very different music and so I just kind of educated myself on who the hell Dizzy Gillespie is and who Charlie Parker is and all of these legendary artists and then I couldn't help but think okay well great I know about what happened you know 50 60 70 years ago I don't know what's going on now and a few google searches kind of took me in some directions I think I came across Bandcamp and and I found uh, Polar Bear, Sons of Kemet and then this is around like 2014 and that's what got me hooked into jazz and it's actually the jazz scene that I think well I'm sure of it, it, it that introduced me to electronic music so I kind of done things in quite an unusual order because in my early 20s I was going to rock gigs and I wasn't really clubbing at all and then I, and, you know, discovered jazz in my early 20s. And then I discover electronic music and dance music in like my mid to late 20s. <laughs> so I've, I've done it in a really strange order. Yeah, usually the other way around. Yeah, completely, completely. So it's, it's very much, you know, sort of falling in love with dance music and electronic music through a jazz lens, yeah. which I guess is quite a particular and specific access point. Um, but that's, you know, and, and the connections between the two then, you know, discovering jazz dance, you know, jazz dance floor and these huge percussive breakdowns and big horns and the kind of things that you'd hear from Patrick Ford or Giles Peterson, Colin Curtis, uh, Paul Murphy. Um, and, you know, the things that, that so many musicians do as well in their DJ side of things. Like Emma G. Thackeray is a great DJ, Femi Colioso. Um, Joe Armand Jones so yeah I feel like there's just kind of electronic jazz scene that hasn't quite existed before you know we've had dance as dance that's a fun word we've had jazz as dance music you know back in the 90s with acid jazz and jazz has always been dance music but in terms of this electronic kind of twist on it I feel like that's a really new thing from from the noughties and now and uh, yeah, that's what I'm really excited about with what's happening right now. Got it, got it. I thought you might say something like, oh, I heard this record when I was five and my parents used to play jazz. <laughs> but hey, Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club, which is probably one of like the most 
commercial jazz club you could say like if you don't really know jazz totally. you'll know bonnie scott's and yeah then you'll go in you know discover you know the magic of this scene which is exactly what you did and also in your early 20s you were studying music journalism weren't you so was the discovery of jazz and you know followed by electronic music was that something that you really fed into that degree yeah it was actually so I think that that trip to Ronnie Scott's where my friend just took me on a whim and you know my it's dramatic to say everything changed overnight but in a way you know for my creativity it did I think that was in my third year of uni and it was just before the sort of big final major project and I was thinking about what to do and it was when I was trying to look up like right what's going on now with jazz you know what who should I be listening to I couldn't really find any media that appealed Mm. to me as you know a young 20 something it was all very much written it felt at least this is my perspective by and for older white guys and you could absolutely argue it still is so I was kind of desperate to find some sort of platform that told me about artists I should be checking out, interviews with artists I should be checking out. More like rock or, rock or pop journalism, you know, without the kind of overly articulate language and, you know, lots of jazz vocab. And that's perfectly fine and perfectly valid. But I was looking for an access point where I was like, I don't know, you know, all these special terms yet. And so my final major project uh, was totally inspired by that music at the time because I ended up creating uh, this uh, music website basically that was all about introducing people to jazz artists they might like through a very pop rock kind of way of writing like quite gonzo sort of journalism and um, and yeah after uni I launched something quite like that called Jazz Standard it later uh, changed its name to Easy H because Jazz Standard uh, club in New York had a bit of a problem with that which is fair enough <laughs> after we went to South by Southwest curated the stage and they were like oh you uh you need to change your name because people are getting us confused <laughs> so <laughs> got a scary letter and then uh and then it changed its name to EVH yeah so that uni project kind of inspired a blog that I then ran for about four or five years sort of in the years after that oh okay and then did that lead on to working in the world of journalism because you are a DJ, broadcaster, and journalist. So which one came first? I'm guessing the journalism. Do you know it's broadcast, actually? It was my... So, yeah, you're, you're spot on, you know, sort of working across all of those. But it was, uh, again, at university in my second year, we had a broadcast segment. And I think we had to do this kind of uh, this morning style segment um so for anyone that happens to to not be listening in the UK it's kind of just like a Monday to Friday um breakfast show basically a magazine show which covers all kinds of stuff and so I did this kind of segment in Hamley's in this toy store and I just got the bug I just loved being in front of the camera chatting away chatting to people I didn't know I loved the pressure of having to be the best I could be in that moment you know, in terms of delivering, not dropping the ball, thinking off the top of my head, I really thrived off of that pressure. And so that stuck with me. And I started just doing lots of freelance presenting gigs. My first one was actually, I think, emceeing catwalks at Pasha Nightclub. Just so random. Like these these, fashion designers that would rent a catwalk in Pasha and at midnight every Friday, or at least one Friday a month, there'd be these great rising designers doing catwalks and I'm emceeing to the crowd, getting them like really rallied up. So it was totally, I know it's totally different from what I do now, but yeah. So I sort of entered broadcast through fashion and then took it towards my love of music. I hosted Balcony TV for five years, which is a really exciting thing. And um, yeah, and it just kind of went from there. And then I got back into music journalism in a traditional sense, probably only about three years ago or so. Oh, no, with the launch of Easy H, I guess, with the yeah. blog. Um, but in terms of writing for other publications that weren't my own, it's probably about three, four years ago. So, yeah, broadcast came first for me. Very weird, because it's not what I studied, but sort of just 
curtailed out of it. It's very much connected. Very, very much connected. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Have you ever experienced having imposter syndrome or, you know, especially being a woman within this area? um, You know, you mentioned before, you know, lots of these things sound like and potentially are written um, by white men. So, yeah, being, you know, being an MC at these fashion shows and then being a presenter for Balcony TV, which was a great show, by the way, if you're old enough to remember it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How did you kind of, how did you build that confidence? I think without thinking about it too much, if that makes sense. I think I was living at such a fast speed for a little while as a, as a undiagnosed, highly ADHD person not really thinking twice or too hard about something before I spontaneously do it. I think that worked in my favour. However, like everybody, I'm sure at least most people, I've definitely had experiences with imposter syndrome, which actually came later on. Um, When I started on Worldwide FM, so that was like six months into the station launching and really, really grateful that I got to spend four or five years there before the the station uh, cut back. I think I had this kind of thing where I was hosting the breakfast show there called Worldwide Daily. And it was on every day. I was doing most days of the week, uh, sharing it with uh, Christian. And I think I just kind of felt like, oh, gosh, am I out of my depth? Am I in the right place? Because I was just so new to it compared to other broadcasters on the station. That was kind of my first real foray into radio. And you know, the radio I did before that was really making shows myself at home on my own for Mixcloud for this EZH blog I was doing. And then suddenly I'm broadcasting to tens of thousands, sometimes more, um, almost daily with DJs that have, you know, 30 years experience behind them. And then there's little of me being like, you know, just forgetting forgetting how certain things on the CDJs work because I've never used them before. <laughs> so I was kind of, you know, in my late 20s, entering this world for the first time, whereas a lot of other people around me were very experienced with it all. So I think during that time, I was feeling a bit like, oh gosh, I feel like there's a lot to learn, which are already fundamentals and things that other people don't think about mm-hmm. here. You know, they're just getting on with it. They know how CDJs work. They know you know, what it's like to, to broadcast a show. And so I was confident, but at the same time, I was questioning myself, you know, thinking, am I being too confident? Am I, am I thinking this is easy when it's not? Should I be, should I be, I don't know. I was just questioning if there was something that I could be doing better. Um, and I think that took me a little while to accept that actually I was just lucky enough to be in that position. And yes, I didn't have years of radio experience behind me, but at the end of the day, it was community radio, which is accessible. There are doorways into it. Not necessarily easy, and certainly not for Worldwide FM, because we're all so lucky about how it just absolutely blew up. And of course it would, because it was run by Giles Peterson, and you know he's, he's a musical powerhouse. Um, but yeah, there was a kind of sense of, okay, I do feel at home and this does feel right, but I've just walked into this and have I earned it? And, you know, sort of questioning things and I'm sharing this music, which was so new to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was all about, for me, sharing new music and spotlighting this UK jazz scene, which, which was happening and exploding at that very minute, at that very moment. So I think my newness on reflection was perfectly fine. But at the time, it was a little bit like, oh, God, am I trying to feel bigger boots than what I should be wearing? Um, but thankfully, I got over that. And I think, yeah, I got, I got past it. Would you say you got past it through building confidence in yourself? Or was it having a support network around you that really believed in you? Because I know you mentioned that you have a mentor um, who is in the same arena as you. Um did you have someone at that time um, who was really kind of giving you the guidance that you needed to, yeah, to really kind of be believing in yourself? Yeah, um, Dan Moss was great. He was the station manager for a few years, especially around that time. Uh, I think he left the station about a year before it closed. And he was great. You know, he 
I think I put an Instagram post about having, you know, discovering imposter syndrome mm. during this time. And he just had a really casual chat with me privately. And he's like, how are you feeling? You know, the show's going great, but how, how do you feel? And I sort of explained how I was feeling. And, and he was just so reassuring, always had a smile on his face, always encouraging, motivating, reminding me just, you know, to, to be myself and, and to enjoy it. And, you know, all the simple things which are so easy to say, but sometimes it can take a moment to hear it. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just really always appreciated that he saw me and he saw the questions that I was throwing up myself and the doubt I was throwing my way. So I always felt really grateful to, to Dan for having my back. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's a mix. I think it's about self-confidence and belief. And, you know, sometimes we can think about things too much, you know, when things are going well, it's like, ah, why is it going well? Like who, you know, where's the karma going to come at me from? When the thing's going to change. <laughs> so it's so silly. Yeah, exactly. When when's everyone going to find me out? But yeah, so I think it's it's partly about self confidence and accepting compliments as well. People, you know, we always deflect compliments. We always the amount of DJs I've seen around me here. Oh, that was a great set. Only for them to go, ah, no, 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 this bit didn't go out. Or that was a clangor. Or you know, a lot of the time, I think we just really struggle to accept. Um, when we do our job well, which is <laughs> such a funny thing, but, but it's true. But um, yeah, I mean, Worldwide FM, and I'm sure anyone who, you know, listens to Worldwide and uh, is part of that, that listener community will know that it's, it's a very accepting kind mm. of family um, behind the scenes. And it's always been celebrated as a very, um, yeah, an accepting family. So I think I was very lucky to be a part of that. And it's certainly sort of added to my, my self-confidence yeah and I guess it's a safe space for you to try out new things try out different records see how people respond and kind of learn your craft which has clearly since then you know given you that foundation to go on and do bigger and better things yeah absolutely yeah I'm so grateful to it you know five years of just amazing guidance and and great support and being able to share records that you can't really share so easily on a lot of other platforms. Would you say that during that time, you also kind of were exploring your skill sets? So I think, well, sometimes we can view the era of like journalism, DJing, broadcast um, as, I don't want to say this as a general thing, but it's sometimes looked upon as an era of the industry that is trickier to do or more people have it as a side hustle um partially because of the financial gains that it does and doesn't give yeah what advice would you give someone who really wants a career in this area but they just don't see how they can make enough money to survive um and then also you know other advice on like diversifying your income in terms of where to put your skill sets and kind of how to manage your time. Big question. Sorry. Yeah. Good question. I got it. There's a big topic in there to, to dissect. I think so where to start. I think when it comes to developing your, your place, you know, your career in this space, I think having a niche is so important and that can be difficult to act on because you might know that you want to be a music journalist or, you know, a, a, an authority across media when it comes to music, but perhaps you don't know exactly what it is you want to talk about yet. I think if that's the case, you know, if, if you have a very broad interest, try to find your niches and it's difficult because you don't want to do that in an overly superficial sense. You don't want to be like, right, cool, you know, what are people talking about right now? Um, great, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be an authority on that. It has to be something that comes from passion, your enthusiasm, to to want to be a spokesperson for it in a sense, you know. And again, it needs to be authentic and sincere, but it needs to be something that you are genuinely so excited about that you can't wait to tell people about this scene or about this artist. 
about this club, about these speakers, whatever it may be. So I think try and find what your niche is. When you're talking to friends about music, you'll probably know what gets your heart rate fired up and what makes you talk faster and more animatedly. And so try to attach yourself to those things and explore it further. You know, do that research on Bandcamp, find more artists in that scene, make playlists, talk about it on social media. And I think before long, you'd kind of start becoming a, a source of information for at least some people on social media. You can, you know, find your audience relatively easily if you're specific in what you're talking about. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. About so find that niche. I think that's something that definitely helped me. I was, you know writing and presenting and stuff for a year or two before I discovered jazz in in the way that I really did you know it, it took over my life in the best way um but it was only when I discovered it that I found everything else in my career started to take shape because people were sharing in my enthusiasm or going you know to message me to say oh thank you I bought you know that that uh Sandra Kemet record after you talked about it and you know it makes you feel amazing like you're actually making a difference so find that niche, find that topic. And I think to diversify your income is incredibly helpful, you know, especially, you know, I'm going to avoid going into the the P word, but during that time, I sort of think that I felt really lucky to have multi-income streams and it was a real, um, yeah, it was a it was a real lucky blessing and something that I didn't expect would ever be so helpful. I thought just having multi-income streams was a symptom of me getting easily bored, which is always a thing. I'm, you know, I'll do something for an hour or two and I'm like, right, I, I need to do something else now. And so I'd, I've always struggled at uh, the idea of a nine to five, um, just for my personality type. But I think off the back of that, from who I am, I naturally just gathered these different income streams so um not everybody knows maybe all the different things that I do um so I do radio um you know when it comes to making shows for British Airways uh, for a Japanese radio station called J-Wave I'm making shows for those those guys at the moment um writing for various magazines um in the UK and internationally as well um what else am I doing uh, I'm doing curation, I'm doing, you know, DJing, which is probably about, you know, a, a sizable sort of chunk of my income, about 50%. And then people might not know that I'm a singing teacher part-time as well, you know, just uh, once a week. 
Um, I have a few students that I always see and I think it's it's the variety that A, keeps me engaged, keeps me excited in all the things I do because I'm not doing them all the time and really gave me financial support in a way that I never knew I was going to need to lean on one day. So I would always advise if you can, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can find what your different skill sets are, you know, just kind of write it out, write down the things that people tell you you're good at, you know, are you organized? Maybe you could be a great manager or a great publicist. Are you great in front of the camera? Are you, um, you know, good at writing? Maybe you could write fantastic press releases, articles, biographies. Um, just try and like write down the things that you're good at as well as the things that you enjoy and try to apply them to music in every way that you can because there are so many niches. Um, you know, perhaps you're really organized and great with the kind of paperwork that other people find so difficult. You know, there's going to be, artist managers that maybe want to hire you to sort out visa paperwork and all that kind of thing so yeah I think think about what your skill sets are but then think about how you can apply them to music and don't worry too much about them all being cohesive as well because I think especially these days we all wear so many different hats and if anything it's an asset to, to have so many skill sets so yeah hopefully that's not too watery but that's what I would say no, that is brilliant advice. Brilliant advice. Yeah. Thank you. There are two things that I want to touch on that you are up to at the moment. Um, so they're not missed off. Um, last year you launched Resonate um with Tim Glossier, a curation platform. I was gonna do a whole description, but you know what? You tell us about it, Tina. What is Resonate? <laughs> Resonate is uh a brand new project between Tim and I like you said and it came off the back of us being asked to curate a stage at Love Supreme Jazz Festival. Um, I've worked with them for a few years just kind of doing bits and bobs here and there and uh, Tim also had a great relationship with Love Supreme and they asked if between us we could curate the blue and green stage which is essentially the DJ stage and we did it this year. We had a brilliant lineup that we were so proud of from Rebecca Vassmont to Kirillis, uh, DJ Tahira, as his UK debut, GF Fu, who's an amazing like salsa record DJ. And it was all just kind of like the whole web of jazz and its connected kind of sounds. And it went so great that we thought, wow, we really need to do that again. So we have put our heads together and we want to continue to curate sort of meaningful lineups try and create uh, lineups that you won't have seen anywhere else try to encourage collaborations between artists and nothing you know we don't want to push anything but we're essentially saying to artists um, live musicians you know who do you want to play with that you've never mm -hmm. played with before how can we help you guys to facilitate something that you want to make happen but you haven't had the right opportunity to do it yet because we want to see that and we want to make it happen with you guys so we launched a live series at uh, house of coco which is the members club on the back of coco um it is open to the public via guest list so um it sounds like a really awkward plug <laughs> but if, if you want to follow me on instagram tina edwards dj um we'll be putting call outs to be like hey if you want to come to this gig just send me a dm so it is a private members club, but we want to throw the doors open yeah, as much as possible with, with a nice, there you go. Yeah, we've got a nice, <laughs> you know, big sizable guest list to share. And um, so, yeah, so we're looking at hopefully doing a monthly series at House of Coco. And we had the brilliant vocalist, Sarah, uh, last month with a, just a great band that she put together that she hadn't ever played with for, uh, before. And it was a brilliant gig. So we're going to be doing those um, probably too early to say, but we've got uh, two festivals this year that we're working with, maybe three uh, curating lineups for them. And again, just trying to put things together that have never been seen before, but with artists that we already love um, across, you know, club culture and across uh, live music as well. So, yeah, it's really fun. And Tim is just so brilliant. And it's funny because we're we share a very similar musical space. If anyone listening and knows Tim Garcia, you know, they'll know that he runs the Musica Macondo label, which he founded. Uh, he was on Jazz FM for five years. You know, we kind of share this like jazz club culture space. But before summer 22, we'd barely spoken to each other before. And after that, we've just become really good mates and we share such similar 
ambitions and visions when it comes to what we want to achieve for musicians so yeah I think it's gonna be a really nice thing we've got how did you guys meet originally oh man I think we've known each other to say hi in passing really and that's about it at festivals that is so music industry hi good to see you I'll see you next year yeah (laughs) yeah exactly we'd never really stop to have a longer chat it would just be like oh you know I liked I liked that show on Jazz FM or you know something similar um but it was only when uh the Love Supreme team said we'd like you to curate this together how do you feel about that on email we were both like yeah sure and then we met up and then we just really hit it off um so it's it's funny I feel like I've I've known him for a while but as a you know as, as the way I know him now it's it's a very new friendship but one where we're very much on the same page so it's cool a passion-led friendship amazing totally. and then the other project which is what is live and happening is your next big thing on British Airways um which I found whilst I was on British Airways not knowing that you were on British Airways and obviously had to listen <laughs> Um, it's very calming great I'm also a nervous flyer so I'm glad that helped <laughs> yes yeah that's something that I shared with Tina um before we started recording um I am also quite a nervous flyer and I listened to this to calm me down and to really kind of engage my brain in something else so I do highly recommend it um but yeah that takes us looking at um club culture across some really key UK cities so yeah have a listen to it if you're on British Airways but yeah I mean how did that opportunity come about as well because that's another big name to your CV yeah thank you for for having us and um I was really lucky I interviewed someone who was Silas Armstrong and I I did just a handful of shows at Hoxton Radio before I went on to Mixcloud and Worldwide FM and my very 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 first ever guest uh, that I had on a radio show was Silas Armstrong who used to do some programming at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club and he also hosted the show on British Airways and unbeknown to me he was looking to pass it on to somebody because he was moving on to a different part of his career basically and after that he said would you like it and I was like Jesus what do I do and yes please. <laughs> I was really lucky and I don't think it was straight after I think it was about six months or so but he, you know remembered me and listening to the shows and yeah he was like would you like it and I was like yes please so that was about five years ago now so I'm just working on the fifth series and yeah next week thing I should probably explain what it is it's um you know explained it very well it's Uh, also focusing on different areas of the UK so it's going to be a little bit broader this time around Um, so instead of uh, Manchester and Leeds for example it's going to be north of England just because I felt like I was having to dismiss too many you know smaller cities and I want to make it fully inclusive from the series onwards so it's different regions of the UK uh, and Ireland and it's very much about independent artists rising artists uh, it's actually multi-genre as well so I definitely have a lot of club culture stuff in there but also you know I get to satisfy my itch for loving folk music indie rock pop you know my partner is the world's biggest little mix fan so she sort of reopened my eyes to pop music you know in ways that I hadn't listened to for years <laughs> before I met her and uh yeah just all kind of music and hopefully it's it's the kind of show you can listen to where by the end of it you're like oh great I'd never heard of this person but I can't wait to check them out more when I land and that's my intention really it's just to share music I'm excited about but also just having the 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 fortune to be able to dig through Bandcamp find new stuff and know that I've got somewhere to put it but yeah right now I'm sourcing music for the entire series from across the UK so if you have anything please send it my way because I'd love to hear it yeah follow Tina Tina Edwards DJ at Instagram we will also put all of these details in the show notes so you know where to find um these mixes um I'm guessing we won't have a British Airways one because you'll need to listen to that on the plane (laughs) everything else though everything else will work but I think for the first time it's going to be available online as well so Yes, so I think it's going to be available to anyone who wants to listen. Great. 
as someone who went to Leeds and really got into the club culture there yeah yeah that's it's a magical lesson we also very lightly touched on earlier ADHD and you have an excellent story on your Instagram in the highlights section talking about how when you discovered ADHD you know so much made sense and you also highlight a couple of very well-known individuals who have it and how it has actually been a superpower in getting to where you are today um and it's one of those things that perhaps we we have but we don't know we have until we start actually digging into it why did you want to find out if you had it and how do you think having adhd has really aided you in getting to where you are now so i first came across uh adhd and my understanding of it through uh and this is gonna be a massive tangent i'll try not to take us down because it's irrelevant but i was writing uh tv treatments for presenters at a talent agency and i was writing about um the idea of presenters with various neurodiversities or conditions hosting these documentaries uh looking at advances in the condition that they have and so I was writing something that I wanted to pitch to a production company with Rory Bremner. Not that Rory Bremner knew that I was doing this at the time, but it was all legit. Anyway, I've gone down the tangent now. But uh, Rory Bremner has ADHD. And just from a distance, working with this uh, talent agency, um, I was researching ADHD, what the symptoms look like. And I got on the NHS website and I just remember everything about that moment. Quarter to three, dark clouds outside, sat on my kitchen uh, dining table and reading it thinking, I'm reading myself. This this is literally me. And my friends came home and I told them about it. And they were like, dude, we thought you already knew. We thought you already had <laughs> And so I just, I just had a day where I was like, ah, everyone knows this about me. But it took until I was about 25, 26 to, to discover that my personality actually fits this mold pretty perfectly. So fast forward um, some hit and miss experiences, uh, trying to get diagnosed. I had a really good experience going to the ADHD Foundation in Liverpool. I was really lucky that I got booked for a gig and I stayed an extra night and then went to get assessed. And that was a really positive experience, uh, gave me a lot of clarification and um, yeah everything just kind of suddenly makes made sense you start reflecting on your childhood and your teenage years and just basically everything up until that moment and you can suddenly see how that additional context makes sense you know how I was so studious and got A's and A stars at GCSEs but at A level I completely flunked because I chose the wrong topics I was I thought I wanted to be a music therapist so I picked biology and all these science classes and but I'm not excited by that and so I, I got U's and F's and E's and I was distraught and I was thinking what what the hell happened now it makes perfect sense I lost mm. interest you know and I and I left sixth form because I started playing drums when I was 16 and I thought okay well I flunked that first year I'm not going to really bother applying myself to the second year finished sixth form, went to music college, started on drums, left on vocals, you know, and I was just kind of always flitting, changing my mind about things, applying myself manically to stuff that I enjoyed and not enough to stuff that I didn't, um, interrupting, you know, getting distracted. Literally yesterday I was mid-conversation with my partner and I, and she was laughing because I started a conversation. She said something and then I went, what are we talking about? And just, you know, things like that all the time are very normal. Until I got diagnosed at 29 a few years ago, I was just such a professional masker. And I was, without knowing, trying so hard to appear neurotypical and regular and keep my mouth shut as to not interrupt. And, you know, often I'd zone out of conversations, but I wouldn't admit it because that's embarrassing. So I'm just going to nod and smile until I've caught up again. You know, little things like that where I probably appeared vacant, but actually it's because my mind's thinking a billion things at once that I lost thread of where I am. So lots of little things like that suddenly made sense. But the good thing is, and I certainly don't want to 
diminish other people's experiences because ADHD can be very challenging, which I've certainly experienced myself. And, you know, not so easy for everybody to look at in a positive way. But if you can look at it positively, I think it does come with a lot of great stuff as well, if you know how to, how to balance it, which only comes with practice, really. And, you know, sort of a lot of self-compassion, a lot of self-forgiveness. But yeah, I think those things of, you know, thinking outside the box, coming up with countless ideas. Yes, we may not be great at executing it, but that's where working with other people can be really helpful in helping us to set goals so that we don't just get stuck in the ideas process, but can actually execute it as well. Um, you know, sort of being impulsive sometimes can be a great thing because then we don't think about stuff too much before we get on with it. You know, we could find a hundred reasons why not to do something, but that impulsivity in some ADHD people can really help to get past the fear that can often hold us back. So I think there's there's a lot of positive things to it as well. And yeah, it's just about kind of trying to remember those at the times where you may be paying what I call an ADHD tax. And I think a lot of people use that phrase as well, you know, so there'll be many times where, God, what's one of a thousand examples I could share? Just, oh, like I used to have a credit card and I forgot I had it. And then one day I got a letter and I owed several hundreds of pounds. And I was like, oh, right, that's something I would do, you know. And that that was that was tricky. Or being in Tokyo on my own, because I love holidaying on my own. I went on this huge trip with my best friends, decided to stay on a week after they went home. And I got lost on the tube. And I was so overwhelmed with emotion and annoyed at myself that I just found somewhere quiet to cry for an hour and then got on with it. And just all these little things where I can be very harsh with myself. I get lost very easily. I've lived in London most of my life, but I still use City Map to, you know, to go around the places that I'm in every week. And you just need to learn to laugh at it and accept it and be like, cool, that's who I am. But there are things that will help, which is accepting I need City Mapper, accepting that I need to lay out all my things by the front door so I'm not going to leave without them. You know, little stuff like that. So bit off topic given I know it's not we're not strictly talking about music but yeah I think there's some ways it could be great and just remembering not to beat yourself up when it does bite you in the ass no that's awesome Tina I think for anybody listening I really really hope you've taken lots away from what everything that that has been shared but particularly you know talking about ADHD and your journey within that um it's very common it's very common oh extremely Um, just to round off, what's your go-to record, Tina? Probably the hardest question I could ask you. Ooh. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That's, um, oh, I'm sure everyone finds that so difficult on your show. I think it's a great question though. I would say heaven or Las Vegas Coxco twins, which is just heavenly music to me. Um, it's completely not you know UK jazz or dance or anything that I normally talk about but it's a record that I could listen to you know as as much as dead air you know it it just I never get bored of it it's I can have it on as a constant and I just always find it beautiful um Cocteau Twins are very close to my heart and have been since I was a teenager uh and it's just a spectacular beautiful immersive record um for anyone that's already a Cocteau Twins fan they'll probably understand what I mean but nobody sounds like Elizabeth Frazier and she sings in her own kind of made-up language for lack of a better description so yeah I would just listen to that all my life brilliant love that I haven't heard of that record so I'm gonna go listen to it tuck in and finally um for anyone who is listening who is an aspiring DJ broadcaster journalist singing teacher all of the professions that we've spoken about today what one action could they take away from this conversation to forward their career I know we've touched on it already quite a bit but I can't emphasize enough the importance of finding your niche it gives you so much direction clarity motivation as well because you want people to know about that niche that you're celebrating and it gives you a goal you know I think for me my obsession with jazz and specifically UK jazz really gave me a passion point to 
celebrate these artists make sure that people know about them because my god they're so freaking good that I just need to shout about them all the time and so if I could see you know this kind of progression in the scene that I loved then I knew that I was a tiny percentage working towards something that would benefit this this huge community and so many other people working towards that same goal as well and I think that's why UK jazz exploded you know um besides the, the main obvious point which is the, the talent and um you know just just the amazingness of the music itself I think it really helps if you can find something to believe in to cheerlead on and that that gives you the direction that you often need to yeah to find that that um that next step awesome another great piece of advice thank you so much tina it's been an absolute pleasure we will drop all of the links in the show notes um and also thank you to our listeners for sending in questions for this episode as well great thank you so much for having me nikki it's been fun Thank you, Tina, for sharing your story with us, along with lots of actionable advice. We would love to hear how this and every other podcast episode we have has helped you in your career development. If you're interested in exploring any of the work that we mentioned in our discussion, everything is linked in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please share and rate this podcast. It really does make all the difference. Finally, this podcast is produced by Rosie Bennett. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.